Well, it is good to be back among you again this year, uh, uh, particularly at the beginning of Advent. Uh, it's, always, um, it's always a good time, isn't it? Uh, Facebook, who has Facebook here? Only a few of you. Or the Facebook, as often it's called. Uh, you'll all know if you have Facebook or those who don't, what happens is it gives you reminders um, of what happened at certain periods of time on this day. And uh, what flashed up this morning for me was that um, Liz and I and two of our um, kids were about to board a plane uh, seven years ago to head off to London uh, to join family for Christmas. And, uh, and part of um, that being over in um, the Northern Hemisphere for Christmas is, uh, is going to see lights. And one area that we went to and that you must do if you're ever over there at Christmas is going to Regent Street. Uh, and see the lights there. This has been long renowned for the spectacular light displays that is there. It's actually the first um, ever central London um, place where lights were um, decorated the streets, and that was in 1954. And the original 1954 Christmas lights were, um, were a display of lit-up angels. And the current display... Uh, called The Spirit of Christmas, which was lit on the 9th of November um, of this year, uh, has picked up on that theme again. And so, as you can see here, we have angels stretching across the street. Uh, they're made of um, LED lights, 300,000 lights are used in these angels. The, the, they have 17-metre wingspans, and they have 15-metre trains. So this, was, um, this is um, what's on display at the moment. You can see that it truly is spectacular. Uh, and let me tell you, when we went over there, they actually had the Christmas angels up seven years ago too. Uh, and, um, and it is spectacular walking down the street with these magnificent lit angels um, stretching across. Not so spectacular is the light display in the Manning household. Each year, the Christmas tree box is dragged out, placed, um, the tree is put together, and then it's strategically placed in position. Uh, next, the lights. First, they are turned on to make sure they all work. They are LED, but not 300,000 of them. Uh, and then the lights are put on, and then they're turned on and everyone steps back and there's an audible, ah, that's nice, and then the tree's decorated. Now, this is done on or close to, but not before, December 1st. Who's in that camp? Yes, yeah. So we did it last night with three grandkids, very little grandkids. I'll be fixing it up tonight. They won't notice the difference. Uh, over, over the Christmas season, obviously, we turn the lights on. That's when we remember, because as you know, it gets dark at 9.30 at night here. Um, and um, whereas in, in, in um, London and Northern Hemisphere, it gets dark at 3.30 in the afternoon. So there's actually great value in having lights over there. Uh, and, uh, and again, whenever we turn it on, it's, ah, that's nice. We're awed by the lights. I think you'll agree with me that light and lights 
are an important part of how we celebrate Christmas. I mean, we've got trees lit up here uh, as a demonstration. We've sung about uh, some carols which included singing about light coming. N.T. Wright in his book, For All God's Worth, writes this, Christmas is God lighting a candle. And you don't light a candle in a room that's really full of sunlight. You light a candle in a room that's so murky that the candle, when lit, reveals just how bad things really are. At the time of the first Christmas, the world was in darkness. It was a hurting world, much like the world today. Not much has actually changed. Our world is hurting and broken. It's impacted by disasters and conflicts, by drought that are just wreaking havocs in, uh, um, havoc in communities that are already impacted and vulnerable to the darkness of poverty and insecurity. Now, while we can look and rightly say that not much has actually changed between that first Christmas and now, there's one thing that has changed, and it is that first Christmas. Because that first Christmas opened the way up for Jesus to be born, for Jesus to die, but most importantly, for Jesus to rise again. There has been a significant change between now and then. Let's look briefly at that first Christmas then. In Luke 2, 1 to 6, we're told that Mary and Joseph are ordered to report for the census. So their journey to Bethlehem, it's long, it's dangerous, it's exhausting. They travel away from their usual support systems to obey the governor and the angel that has visited both of them. And mark my words, at each angel visit, the room would have lit up with light. In Luke 2.7, it says, Mary gave birth to her first son and she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger, a feeding trough for animals. The greatest miracle in the history of the world, the eternal son of God being born as a human, defies the expectations of Jewish thinking and makes his entrance quietly in a stable in an obscure village. Next, in Luke 2, 8 to 14, we're told, and we sung about this earlier, that the night sky bursts into light before shepherds as angels bring the glory of God, not to a temple, but to a field. A group of unlikely messengers, shepherds, are given a message of hope and peace that they could never have imagined. The shepherds then leave their flock to find the Christ child just as the angels had told them. Now let's have a look at what the Gospel of John says about that first Christmas. At that first Christmas, says John, 
God's word was entering history in the person of Jesus. And that was the and what was the result? What it has always been and always is when God speaks. Light. John says, in him was life, and that life was the light of humankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. John says that that first Christmas, light entered the world. Just as the prophet Isaiah said, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. In Isaiah 9.2. John says, the light shines into the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Is that true? Is that how it feels in your world, in your home, in your workplace, your family here in Melbourne? Is that how it feels when you read or listen to or watch the news? I'm sure I'm not the only one who feels at times that darkness is overcoming. It feels as if the light is flickering and faltering like a failing flame of a candle. John says the darkness has not overcome the light. But we know there was a moment when darkness did overcome the light. And that moment is what we just remembered in communion. It was the cross. As Jesus hung on the cross, it says in Mark 15 that darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. The light of the world was covered over by darkness. And then the light was extinguished. But the light did not stay dead. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome. Jesus, the light of the world, rose again on that dawn of the third day. As light of a new day broke, so the light of a new era burst forward. Jesus says, I have come into the world as light, so that no one who believes in me stays in darkness. In John 12, 46. The world is not overcome by darkness, even though at times it seems it is. It's not overcome by darkness because of the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Tim Chester in The One True Light points out, light always wins. It's an unequal contest Light and darkness is asymmetrical. 
Light dispels darkness simply by its presence wherever darkness doesn't naturally extinguish light. You can't have a torch dark that casts a beam of darkness into light. You can only have a torchlight that casts a beam of light into the darkness, no matter how much darkness there is. Jesus says, put your trust in the light while there is still time. Then you will become children of light in John 12, 36. With the coming of the word, Jesus, light broke into the darkness of this world. And then the resurrection of the word, Jesus, God declared that light would never be extinguished. Now, by trusting and believing in Jesus, the light, we are called out of darkness to live in light. And when we personally experience the light of Jesus pushing away the darkness and lighting up our heart with forgiveness and salvation, eternity and peace and joy and hope, we can't help but respond. In fact, Jesus expects his followers to shine his light through their life. We read this. He said this in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, 14 to 16. He said, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. They put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and Glorify your Father in heaven. It's not all about us. We've got a part to play. But ultimately, as we allow Jesus' light to shine through our life, people will be drawn to glorifying the Father in heaven. When Jesus' light lights up our heart, it's to overflow in us as the light of hope to and for others. God's willingness to enter the world as a baby in a time of great poverty and brokenness and displacement reflects the same God who today lights up the world through his work around the world. The light of hope found in Jesus that first Christmas shines further than our own country. And it casts out the darkness of the world's poorest countries. At Baptist World Aid, we know that this is true. We know that the light of God's provision changes the lives of women and men and children. In Bangladesh and in Nepal and in Uganda, Cambodia and Kenya, just to name a few. Through the work of Christian partners with Baptist World Aid, the light of life brings practical hope and help to vulnerable families experiencing the injustice of poverty in 22 countries around the world. I want to tell you about one, Seneca from Bangladesh. 
She married at only 13 and then was widowed a few years later as a young mother. Sanika is from northern Bangladesh. She's a woman of great strength. She inherited a small portion of farming land from her late husband and tended to it diligently, growing small harvests and travelling long distances to sell what she produced. Yet Sanika was constantly burdened by the question, how will I earn enough money to provide for our needs? But in partnership with generous people like you, our local Christian partner launched an innovative pilot program in Shanika's village to help farmers grow produce and access local markets for consistent and fair opportunities to sell their crops. Sanika joined the program and learned how to make her own organic fertiliser, uh, plant a diverse harvest and also invest in high-quality seed. She also meets with other farmers as a collection centre and is confident in negotiating fair prices for her produce. This project helped me increase my yields, improve the quality of my crops and, better, and be better informed, Seneca said. So I'm now more confident and ultimately better equipped to negotiate better prices. Seneca has doubled the size of her farm and has increased her net return by 75%. Over the past two years, she's used her increasing income to build a new house for her family of seven, construct a toilet and buy two cows. Sanika's dream is to educate her three grandchildren. And she also wants to help other widows, she says, because the world is cruel to us. Sanika is becoming an effective leader in her community. But so many others are held back by poverty. And you can help people like Sanika to access tools that's needed to transform lives for their family and their entire community. We all have opportunity to shine Jesus' light of hope by partnering with the ministry and mission of Baptist World Aid, especially as our world continues to experience the darkness, the hurting and the, the brokenness that comes from disasters and conflicts and drought and wreaks havoc in those communities that are already suffering and experiencing the injustice of poverty. We can be part of loving and bringing positive change to people like Sanika in Bangladesh, to a family, to their community. And there's two main ways that you're able to shine Jesus' light of hope by partnering with Baptist World Aid. And the first is the Bo Morris Mordialic Baptist Church Church Partnership, which you have with Baptist World Aid. And the next is by sponsoring a child or young person in Bangladesh. You know, 
Your church partnership with Baptist World Aid, it's focused on Bangladesh, if you haven't picked that up yet. I'd like to take this opportunity to actually thank you for your generosity and for standing with our brothers and sisters in Bangladesh. Because with your generous support through the church partnership, our local partners in Bangladesh can do things like facilitate self-help groups that help local leaders find solutions for their own community's challenge. They're able to create opportunities for farmers to learn new techniques and gain secure income, as we heard from Seneca's story. And they have opportunities to release people that are trapped in the darkness of poverty through discrimination and marginalisation. That's just a few examples of what you partnering with us helps our local partners to do in Bangladesh. And then there's child sponsorship that provides you with an opportunity to regularly give and support the work of Baptist World Aid in Bangladesh. And for $52 per month, you can sponsor a child or young person like Shinoli. Why don't we watch Shinoli's story now? Every morning, my mum wakes me up so I can get to school on time. She makes me breakfast so I have lots of energy to learn and play with my friends. I work hard at school so I can be whatever I want when I grow up. And at lunchtime, I eat my sandwich fast so I can play with my friends. But did you know there are girls who don't get to have a childhood like I do? How come? That doesn't seem fair. Girls like Shinoli, who lives in a country called Nepal, near the Himalayan mountains. Her family had a really hard time, especially during COVID. She was sad a lot and didn't feel good about things. But when someone in Australia became a child sponsor for Shinoli, everything changed. Now Shinoli goes to a child and youth club in her village so she can learn, make friends and make plans. You know what? You can become a child sponsor so children like Shinoli can dream big dreams. Because Baptist World Aid has lots of child and youth clubs all over the world to help other kids who don't have very much, where poverty makes their life hard for them. But these clubs help a lot. Isn't that cool? Oh, and Shinoli loves animals, just like me. But hers provide milk for the family to drink and sell so they don't have to be hungry. 
I hope you can become a child sponsor so children like Shinoli can know someone cares about them. I think that would help them when it's hard or if COVID comes back. I don't like COVID. If you can please become a child sponsor today, she can live like Jesus wants her to with food and hope and friends. Baptist World Aid can help you be a child sponsor. This will make everything better so she can have a better life too. You know, um, I've got two profiles here, um, both in Bangladesh. Uh, Shanto, uh, he's a boy and he's seven years old. Uh, and then um, Brishti, uh, she's a 15-year-old because we're, we're focusing on children but also youth. And you heard from Shinoli's um, um, story that the impact of a child's sponsorship is not just on the child that's being sponsored. It's on their whole family. It's on their whole community is changed and impacted by our community development and programs uh, that we're able to partner with them to um, help and empower them to um, move out of poverty, but more importantly, stay out of poverty. So if this is something that you'd like to do, then come and see me at the table today. You know, there's other ways of being involved in Baptist World Aid. Uh, there's, um, there's prayer. Uh, and that's really something that all of us can do. And twice a year we put out a prayer calendar. I've got the one that's finishing in December, but there's still nearly a whole month that you can, uh, you can partner with Baptist World Aid in prayer. Uh, the new one is available. You can have a look on our website and download it. Uh, so there's prayer. Who's heard of the Ethical Fashion Guide? Hopefully quite a lot of you, because I would have asked this question last year. Uh, this is one way, you know, the... Um, the the fashion industry is one of the uh, industries that, is, um, that contributes to uh, the, the effects on climate. Uh, it has about a 10% impact on, on climate through their bad practices. So that means that it affects us all. It has the majority of workers in this industry are... Uh, don't even get a living wage. Uh, and the projection that if we keep at the pace that we're going now uh, in people getting a living wage, it's going to take 75 years until uh, uh, people in one factory of fashion houses earn a living wage. So you can see there's a lot of work there. And also it is subjected in their supply chains to, um, and it's very open and vulnerable to modern slavery uh, in what happening in the, and, and the um, working of children, etc., in that area. So, what we've done through this guide is actually shine light into this industry because it's quite significant. You know, for countries like Bangladesh, which you're partnering with or focusing on, this is a main export uh, industry for Bangladesh. And yet these are the conditions that people are living. Not even a living wage for people who are working 10 to 12 hours a day on average. And they still can't really live appropriately. Um, we, we have 120 companies involved, which represent 600 brands. Because one country can, company can own like 20 brands, right? 
Uh, and this is what the Ethical Fashion Guide and Report helps you to do. And so you can pick one of these up and use it in the purchasing. Who's got clothes on? <laughs> I would really expect more, more hands up on that, but anyway. For the video or people listening, they all have clothes on. So it's something that all of us can be involved in. Uh, and we can vote with our dollar and, and challenge the companies to do better. Uh, so that's something. And then another good thing is to help engage and talk more about it, to raise the profile of the challenges of quite a lot of places in the world in poverty and, and become advocates. And one way that you can do that is conversation cards. Now, these are great. These are cards which has questions like this. This is one question. Whose fault is it that someone is living in poverty? Talk among yourselves. That's how you do it. Normally you can just put the cards out on a table as you're having a meal or at a life group or um, just, just occasional Christmas dinner. They're very bright and colourful. And then people take turns in just picking up a card and reading the question or statement and then you talk about it. Uh, we've done it a few times with our adult kids and it's wonderful. So this is, this is another way, is just being part of the conversation and helping others to join the conversation. And then as you came in, hopefully you've all got one and if you haven't, please raise your hand. This is um, another way of advocating is we must not forget Myanmar. Myanmar is um, for Baptist churches, our, our church family as a whole, we have 50-plus church, um, Burmese churches in our union of churches, which are thousands of brothers and sisters in Christ who worship every day. I've sat with them two Thursdays ago with a couple of them and heard their stories yet again, and they're just quite, to tell the truth, beyond imagination. Beyond imagination. And so what we're doing here is we've done a postcard uh, to be sent to the Foreign Affairs Minister, Penny Wong, which is asking the government to step up, to do simple things like do um, embargoes uh, that the US and Singapore and Canada and the UK have already done to restrict the finances, to petition India to stop funding our weapons, and to, um, to do what the, and to follow the lead of the European Parliament to formally recognise uh, the elected democratic government as government. Uh, so they're very simple things which will help tighten um, um, the situation so that, uh, so that that country can be free of devastating conflict. These are areas that you can do. So you can do that now. You just write your name and you just sign it. And if you do that, you can drop it off in the little box at the table and I'll even post them for you. There you go. That's something that you can be part of today. So there's just ways I've talked about how you can partner with Baptist World Aid and be part of shining Jesus' light into the world, his light of hope, his light of life. Again, if you've got any more questions or you would like to be part of it, and um, I've also got a sneak preview of the uh, Better World gift store if you want to um, have a look at what you can buy next week or even get in early and buy it now. 
uh, you can do that too today. Are we singing another song? Well, why don't we pray, stand as we pray then? God of love, light, life. This Christmas season and beyond, help each of us to live love, to relate with respect and compassion, sharing grace and hope, to have courage and conviction, passion and perseverance, to triumph what is just, right and good, so we may be a blessing. May we be a blessing, Lord, as each of us, as well as Baptist World Aid, utilise your resources in an optimum way to address the challenges surrounding poverty. We pray for faster and long-lasting development, which will empower the poor and lift them out of poverty into the fullness of life you intend. Father, increase our sensitivity to the needs of this world and open our hearts that we may hear the cries of the poor as you do. Through your spirit, shape us to be more and more like Jesus, to shine Jesus' light of hope brighter and brighter, to live a life of grace and generosity, to respond as your hands and feet on earth, to champion your plan for a better world for all. Help us to be filled with the wonder of Mary, the obedience of Joseph, the joy of the angels, the eagerness of the shepherds, the determination of the Magi, and the peace of the Christ child. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we praise you now and forever. Amen.